So today I want to talk from the topic of I got the juice. Amen. 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 You know, for some of us, we, we might be caught in the middle of where that, that, that term derived from, but uh, the juice is a, it, it's a word that kind of describes or means um, confidence and style and, uh, and flair and things like that. But that was a, a movie uh, that came out in 1992, and it was called Juice. And in this movie, it's a portrayal, it's a story about these four boys from Harlem. And one of the guys uh, who was a self-proclaimed leader of the group, his name was Bishop. And he was, uh, and it was played by Tupac, the rapper. Mm -hmm. And so, well, they kind of dabbled in some petty crime and got in some trouble. And as the whirlwind of trouble began, the things began to spin out of control, uh, he was really the cause of it. But he wanted to be the leader. And he wanted to have the juice. He wanted to be the man. And so, um, in his attempts to be the man, he went about it the wrong way. And anytime we try to be the man without God, then things are going to go terribly wrong. Amen. And so things went terribly wrong for this guy. And he lost friends. He killed friends. And it was just a bad situation all because he wanted to be the man. He wanted the juice. And I believe that even though this is a movie that talks from a different demographic than what we are accustomed to right now because we've been saved for a while and you know we've been with the Lord for a while. But if we're not careful, we can find ourselves trying to be the man and going about it the wrong way. Trying to pursue a life that, of success that we know God wants us to have, but we're doing it the wrong way and by the wrong means. This term, uh, the juice, it kind of has been extended to other words. And in today's time, uh, the youth use words like swag or sauce or, or drip. And so they say, I'm dripping, you know, because they, they want to have that status. They want to have that, that flavor. And, and even with that term, even though it's changed a little bit, it still has that same meaning. And so we have a lot of people who are trying to pursue or become this person of swag and have this drip and, this, this, and, and the juice, but they're doing it and going about it the wrong way. Amen? Amen. Now, I want to submit to you today that even though this word juice and swag and sauce and drip uh, has this meaning of style and confidence, and, uh, but that even if we look at it from a spiritual perspective, we can see that this word really counteracts or is symbolic to the anointing. Because if we search the scriptures, we see that there were people of God who were after the anointing. And because they were after the anointing, they wanted it for the wrong reasons. And because they wanted it for the wrong reasons, their pursuit of it became uh, evil. And they, they pursued it in wrong, with wrong ways. Uh, you know, we think about uh, Saul. You know, King Saul, he, he was pursuing the anointing the wrong way. And there are other biblical characters that we can see in the scriptures. And we see that they want the anointing, but they're going about it their own way instead of God's way. Amen. Amen. And so really, the juice is the anointing. It's God's anointing on our lives. And one thing about juice and swag and drip and these words, what, what this generation is going after, they want it. For their own selfish reasons. The same way that Saul wanted it for his own selfish reason. But 
The same way that the drip and the sauce can make a person attractive or appealing, I want to tell you that God's anointing can do the same thing. It can. You know, we take T.D. Jakes, for example. You know, he started off with a few people, you know, back in, I think it was Virginia, and then he moved over to Texas, and his ministry started to grow, and then you have this man, who, you know, he said, he said when he first started out, he was wearing a jerry curl. And he talked about how he wasn't attractive or appealing, but he said the anointing of God, as he, as he continued to walk in it and move in it, it gave him the swag. It gave him the drip. It gave him the sauce. And so it made him attractive. It made the ministry attractive. And all of these things, though, he used them for God's glory. He didn't use them for his own. But as a result, the anointing made him attractive. And people were attracted to the anointing that was on his life. And so... Uh, some people who pursue the anointing for the wrong reasons have actually been people who have been through hardships. They've been through opposition. They've been through heartbreak. They've been through rejections. And what has happened is they've allowed the juice that God has given them to be dried up because they were pursuing it for the wrong reasons. And pursuing it the wrong way. And so as a result of life disappointments and the devil's attacks, many people can give up on their dreams, their goals and their purpose. I'm about to switch here. And so many people have settled for less than the best of what God has purposed for their life. They settle for a mediocre or mundane life and accept the devil's lie that they no longer have what it takes. Come on, I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life where I've been disappointed because I was pursuing something. There have been times in my life that I I felt rejected. I felt like I didn't have what it takes because of the way things worked out and hardships and challenges in my life. And as a result, there are certain things that I allow myself to be deceived by the devil into thinking that, you know what, I don't have what it takes. You know what, maybe I'm not, it's, I, I, I'm not even worthy of doing or accomplishing what it is that God has called me to do and for me to accomplish. But I want to tell you today that even in that hopeless state, there is still hope for the believer. Because in Isaiah 65, verse 8, the scriptures tell us that thus said the Lord, as the new wine, somebody say the juice. See, as the new wine, that juice is found in the cluster of grapes. That's where wine comes from. The juice comes from the cluster, but there's a fermentation process that brings about the change that creates the wine. But you can't have the wine unless you have the juice. Oh, come on, y'all gotta go with me now. And so he's saying here that as the new wine is found in the cluster, that you get the juice out of the cluster of grapes. And there's one that says, destroy not, for a blessing is in it, so what I do for my servants' sakes that I may not destroy them all. Now, I don't have time to get into the historical context of what it means, but I want to get into some, some, some symbolism and how it's relative to how we can apply this scripture to our lives today. Amen? Amen. So he says here that as the juice is found in the cluster, and there is one that says destroy it not for a blessing is in it, I, I researched that. I was like, okay, who is this one? Who is this person that says, destroy it not? So I said, well, why would they say don't destroy it? And in my research, I discovered that when the reapers went into the fields, 
to harvest the grapes from the vineyards for the wine, there was a person who, who, who accompanied the reapers, and he was called the standard Bible. Now, you got to go with me on this. So as they are going through the vineyards, and the reapers are cutting off the clusters of grapes, there are some clusters that they get to, and they look dried up. And they would take those, and they would throw them into a basket of rejected clusters. But they would keep the good clusters and put them into the basket of the accepted clusters. Yes. Yes. See, I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life when I've been in the basket of the accepted, and there have been times when I've been in the basket of the rejected. But see, here's the thing. The one guy that walked along with the reapers were called the standard Bible because he was the second voice. He was the, the, the second opinion. That when the reapers would reject the cluster of grapes, he would go into the basket and he would grab it and he would wring it out like a dish rag. And if just one ounce of juice, one drip of juice would come out, he would throw it back into the basket with the accepted. Is there anybody in here with me? See, sometimes you can count yourself out. Sometimes life will count you out and sometimes other people will count you out just like the reaper. He didn't see anything that was worth value in the cluster of grapes because of how it looked, because of how it appeared. It just looked like it was dried out. But I'm here to tell you, oh, I feel my anointing and my help coming that people can look at you and not know what's on in the inside of you. And that but God is a God who does not look at the outward appearance but he looks at the heart. And so it was the standard buyer's job to inspect the cluster that the reapers would pass over or cast aside because they, he didn't consider them as useful. But the standard buyer defends the dry cluster of grapes from being destroyed. See, because what happens is if that cluster of grapes was deemed no good, then it would be destroyed. Y'all remember when Jesus came by the fig tree? He was looking for the juice. And when he got to the fig tree, the Bible says he found nothing on it but leaves only. And it said it was the time of figs, but it wasn't producing. So here is a fig tree that God has created to produce juice. Amen. But when he gets to it, he finds nothing but leave. And he says, by this time tomorrow, it shall be dried up. When they came back that way, the disciples confirmed that this, the same fig tree has withered. I want to tell you, you got to be careful of becoming a believer who only has leaves on. Who has the appearance that you're a believer, but you ain't got no juice. Or has the appearance of a believer, but you're, you're, you're refusing to respond to Jesus. Because the Bible says that when he looked on the fig tree from afar, he expected it to have figs on it. See, God has created you with a purpose. And he expects you to be producing the purpose that he created you to produce. Is there anybody in here with me? And what happens is, if, 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 if you don't produce what God has purposed you to produce, you're going to dry up and you're going to wither away. But there is hope. See, the same way that God defends those who have been looked over and cast aside, the standard buyer would do the same thing with the clusters of grape. And what he would do, he would stop them from being destroyed by the people who can't see their worth of value. See, there are some people who want to destroy you and cast you off because they can't see your worth or your value. But God knows and he sees 
your worth and your value. Yes. And he is the standard buyer that when people tell you that you don't have what it takes, when people reject you, when people count you out, when people throw you to the side and say, no, we don't have any purpose for any room or anything for you here. But God says, guess what? There is a second opinion. Yes. And that I'm calling you from the rejected into the accepted. Can I get an amen? And so if they had at least one drop of juice, then he would place the cluster into the basket with the other qualified clusters. Do y'all hear that? He'd take it and he'll take it out of the rejected and put it in with the qualified clusters. And see, we've got to be careful not to disqualify ourselves. That's right. That's right. Sometimes we think we're not worthy of God's grace. Well, I want to tell you, that was nothing that we did to become worthy. It was all done by Jesus. All we have to do is accept Jesus. And that's what makes us righteous. That's what makes us worthy. That's where our value, that's where our juice comes from. So the standard buyer was a second set of eyes. He saw the great, he saw in the grapes what others did not see. And see, you need people in your life who see you how God sees you. Because if you're looking for acceptance from people who don't see you the way that God sees you, then you're going to be rejected every time. But you got to get around people who say it doesn't matter what you don't have. It doesn't matter what you've been through. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter what resources you don't have. It doesn't matter how many times you've fallen. There is still some good in you and God can still use you. So he gave the second opinion against the opinion of what the reaper said. And see, the, I, I found this out. I want to tell y'all just a real quick story about my, my aunt. I tell her she is my favorite aunt. Her name is Yvette. Because I learned that like the reaper who counts out the clusters of grapes, there are some people who have counted out other people. And I found out that these people who count out other people really don't know how to count. Because if they did, they, they wouldn't have counted them out. Because my aunt Yvette, she was diagnosed with lupus back, way back in like the 80s. And so she, when she first started dealing with it, her body took on some, 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 some different types of effects and it, and, it, and it caused her to even look different. And she looked like she was sick. And so uh, even family and friends and other people, they counted her out and they said, yeah, she ain't going to make it. She ain't going to make it. She ain't going to come back from this one. But she was, she was sick for months and months and God brought her through. And then she was constantly under attack year by year from it. And some of those same people who counted her out, they died along the way. Do, do you hear what I'm saying? The same people who said that she would die, she wouldn't survive, they passed away. So you got to be careful of listening to people who count you out when they don't know how to count. Because if they really knew how to count, they would have counted themselves out. And she's still alive. And, and she's living She's a living testimony, yes, sir. a living testament to the fact that people can look at you and not see what God sees. Yes, they can look at you and see uh, something other than what God has placed inside of you because they're looking on the outward appearance and not what's on the inside. Yes. Amen. See, every cluster has some juice, even if it's just one drop of juice. Just like every person has a drop of goodness inside of them. I don't care who it is. I don't care what they've done. I don't care how bad they have been, that there is some good inside of every person. Yes. 
regardless of how bad they're being, regardless of how many bad decisions they have made, there is still hope and there is still some good and God can use them. If you would, turn with me to John chapter 1 and I want to show you in verse 1 through 9 what the Bible says about the, about the good that is in everyone. And here's what it says. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. Now I want you to pay attention to verse 4. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. So the life of God is what lights every man. So every man has some light. Light represents goodness. Now watch this. And the light shined in darkness and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. So we have John bearing witness to the light, which is Jesus Christ. Verse eight says he was not the light talking about John, but was sent to bear witness of that light. Now watch this verse nine. That was the true light, which lights every man that comes into the world. So every man has some light of God inside of them. Now what they choose to do with that light is what really matters. Because there are some who have the goodness, the light of God in them, and they choose to magnify it and make it shine brighter. And there are some who try to suppress it by doing evil and wicked things. But that small light is still inside of them. That small juice, that small drop of juice is still inside of them. Every man, every human has some light. Every man has some good in them, something that makes them special, something that makes them valuable. And God knows how to get that juice out of us. Amen. Amen. See, just like Tropicana and Minute Maid know how to get the juice out of orange. God knows how to get the juice out of you. In order to get the juice, there's a process that it has to go through. The same way if you're going to get the anointing oil or the oil, extract the oil from an olive. There's a process that it has to go through in order to get what's inside on the outside. So after the reapers would determine that a cluster was useless and dried up, and they threw it to the side, the standard buyer retrieved it from the basket of the rejected, and he would squeeze it until the juice started dripping. And I want to tell you that God's process to get the juice out of you is the same way. He'll allow you to get in situations that squeeze you. When you, even if you get yourself in a situation, remember all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord. He'll still find a way to get glory out of your mistakes. He'll still find a way to get glory out of your bad decisions. He'll still find a way to bring triumph out of your tragedy. Because what he'll do is he'll take that situation that he had completely nothing to do with. You created this bad situation.
situation. But he said, I love you so much that I'll step into the situation with you. You remember how he stepped into the fire with the Hebrew boys? He said, I'll get in there with you, but what I'm going to do, I'll use the situation and I'll squeeze you. I'll allow it to get so tight and so uncomfortable that, that what's inside of you will start flowing on the outside. Is there anybody in here with me? And so just because you're in a situation in a tight fix, in a tight place, don't lose hope because God is in the tight space with you. And he's allowing the space to get even tighter so that the squeezing, so that the process will run its course and so that he can squeeze. See, sometimes it ain't until you get in a financial bind or financial tight that your mind starts thinking, how can I get more money? See, it's in the squeezing of that tight space that the juice of the knowledge and the inspiration and the motivation to do what you need to do to provide for yourself comes. Is there anybody in here with me? It isn't until you get in that tight space of a health crisis that, that, that the situation begins to get so uncomfortable that you begin to call out on the Lord for a miracle. You begin to, the juice of the word start coming out of you. I am healed by his strength. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's when you get in marital and relationship situations and you begin to call on the name of the Lord. That's him squeezing that juice out of you. And let me tell you something. The juice ain't for you. The juice is for somebody else. No orange drinks his own juice. No olive oil, no olive uses his own oil. It's once it gets out of you, it's so other people can use it. You went through financial situations so you can tell somebody else how to manage their money. You went through marital problems so that you can tell somebody else how to make it through when they're going through. You went through problems with your children so you can help somebody else out. The juice is in you. But God got to squeeze you to get it out of you. That if you notice that the value of the cluster switched from the hand that it was in. It didn't have any value in the hand of the reaper that determined that it was invaluable. And he put it in a place to be destroyed when it was in his hand. But then the standard buyer took it out of the basket of the rejected into his hands. And as he squeezed it and juice dripped out of it, it became valuable again. Come on, y'all gotta hear me. Don't reject the squeezing of the Lord. And don't you, don't you look at nobody else when they're going through and say, oh yeah, they must have done something wrong. No, they must have done something right. Because you don't know the process that they're going through. Don't you count somebody out when they sick. Don't you count somebody out when they're going through problems. Don't you count a marriage out and over just because they're having marital problems. Don't count a child out just because they're going through puberty and this stage where they're trying to find their identity and they don't know who they are because that could be God squeezing them. And the very juice that is coming out of that child could be used for your grandchild. You don't know. You don't know the plans and the thoughts of the Lord. His ways are higher than ours. His thoughts are higher than ours. And he could very well be creating the juice for someone in your family to drink and you reject him. 
But the value changed with the hand that it was in. The value, and this is the principle that I learned by God, that the value of a thing is determined by whose hand it's in. Man, if I really get to preaching right there, I'll be here all day. You know how they say one man's trash is another man's trash. See, 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 there, 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 there are some people, and some of us are those people or have been those people. Well, some people looked at us and said, oh, he or she ain't going to never amount to nothing. But when we switched partners or when we switched hands, the person that we went to, they knew how to polish that diamond. They knew how to treat that thing as something valuable. That's why the Bible says that he who finds a wife finds a good thing. See, some men find a wife and they don't see it as a good thing. So they don't treat it as a good thing. And then when they lose the thing that they thought was bad, it gets into the hand of somebody who sees it as a good thing and they know the value of it. And they start speaking to it, even though it's been rejected. And they say, you are accepted. They say, you are beautiful. You are valuable. You got to do the same thing with your spouse. You got to do the same thing with your children. You got to tell them who they are. See, it matters whose hands it's in. The reaper didn't see no value in it. But the standard by it did. See, a basketball in my hand is worth the $3.50 that I paid for. But a basketball in Michael Jordan's hand. Come on, is anybody in here with me? A set of golf clubs in my hand. It ain't really worth much. But in Tiger Woods hands, come on, it's worth millions. Are y'all with me? See, it's a tennis racket in my hand, it ain't worth much. But in Serena or Venus hands, come on, y'all gotta go that with me now. See, 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 in, in the hands of some people, you are not worth anything. Oh, but in the hands of God. In the hands of God. You are valuable. You know, that's why I, I love the story of the potter because he took, he took the vessel and he squeezed it. He crushed it. And then the Bible says that he fashioned it into another vessel unto his liking. See, sometimes, oh Lord, sometimes it's the hands that you're in that hold you back yes. from going through the process yes. that God needs you to go through yes. to get you to where he needs you to be. For you to become who he needs you to become. So we've got to understand that even our hands, we got to be careful of how we handle people. We got to be careful because is it possible that God has placed people in our lives, in our hands, in our care to do the same with them, to shape them, to mold them, to make them, to give them value? Amen. Because others have passed over them. Others have thrown them to the side. Others have counted them out. Others have said they are not worth it. But then we've got to be the people who say, you know what? It doesn't matter what you've been told. God has a plan for your life. There's, there's juice still left in you. 
See, the only way for the standby to determine if there was any juice left in the cluster, he had to squeeze it. Yes. And we don't really know what's in us yes. until we squeeze. We really don't know what's in us. And some of us, we get comfortable in life. We begin to settle because we don't like being squeezed. See, but you can't grow unless there's some type of uncomfortability. You can't grow. You will remain the same and nothing will change. No matter how hard you expect and wish and think and hope it will change. You've got to go through the process of the squeezing. So you may look dried up to some people, but you look like you still got the juice to God. Don't let people tell you that your juice is dried up. Don't let people tell you what you can and what you can't do. You better get your second opinion from the standard by which is God. See, it's never too late to be what you could have been. That's right. That's right. Come on, I'm gonna let that sink in. It's never too late. Not with God. That's right. It's never too late to do what you could have done. As long as you don't settle. See, when I think about settling, I gotta go back to the to the orange juice. See, this this orange juice has pulp. And if it sits for a while, or it sits long enough, you'll see the pulp begin to settle in the bottom. See, that pulp is the, the potent power of the orange juice. Once it settles, if you drink the, just what's at the top of it, it'll taste watered down. Ah, see, that's when people sitting in church. And on the top, they water down. But deep down in the bottom, yeah. oh, that's some power. <laughs> but they're just sitting. Yeah. And so you don't know that there's power. Because even, even if, you know, you meet people and you taste them. Yeah. You know, you, you interact with them. You say, hmm, a little watered down. Don't look like they got too much substance to them. <laughs> but if you shake it up. Bible says, stir up the gift that is in you. Stir up that juice that God has placed in you. And then what's on the bottom will start to rise to the top. And then the same power that's in the bottom is in all of the juice. Is there anybody here with me? So you cannot settle when God has placed the power down inside of you. See, most people settle not when they choose to make a decision. But when they choose not to make a decision. Because to make no decision is to make a decision to settle and accept whatever happens. Thank God for the standard Bible. See, because the fate of the cluster could have been left in the hands of the reaper. If there wasn't a standard buyer to recognize the value and the power and the juice that was still in the cluster. So you gotta, you gotta make a decision not to sell. You can't die without fulfilling your purpose. You can't die full of the anointing. You know, Miles Monroe talked about uh, dying empty. He said, no, you don't die empty. He said, because there are plenty of people in the graves who, are, who die full with gifts still inside of them, with paintings that were never, never, never painted. 
with buildings and sketches of designs that were never built, with songs that were never written and composed. Are, are y'all with me? These people died full of these things, sermons that were never preached. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? Businesses that were never created. Goals and purpose that was never pursued and accomplished, they died full. But we've got to die empty. That's why we got to stir it up. That's why we've got to allow ourselves to go through the process of the squeezing. To get everything that God has placed in us, out of us. And it doesn't matter how old you are, it's never too late. It doesn't matter how far you think you're behind, it's never too late. It doesn't matter what you don't have, it is never too late. To do what God has called you to do and be who God has called you to be. Yes. You got to pour out of everything that God has placed inside of you. Yes. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1 through 6. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1 through 6. This is Paul writing a letter to his son Timothy in the faith. The Bible says in verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promised life, which is in Christ Jesus. He says to Timothy, my, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy and peace from God, the father and Christ Jesus, our Lord. I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience that without ceasing, I have remembrance of you in my prayers night and day. Well, what is Paul praying for? He's about to tell us. Greatly desiring to see you being mindful of your tears that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned, unshakable, undeniable faith that is in you. He's talking about the juice, y'all. Yeah. All right. All right. He said, I'm calling to remembrance that there is something inside of you. That there is something great. There is something undeniable about the juice, about the faith, about what's inside of you. Yeah. But you can't even see it. Come on, preacher. He said, but I see it. Mm -hmm. And he said, I know it's inside of you. Why? Because it dwells first. In who? Come on, y'all got to go with it. It was in your grandmother. Then he didn't stop there. Your grandmother, Lois, and your mama. He said it was in your grandma. It was in your mama. And I am persuaded. Nothing can convince me otherwise that it's in you also. Come on, y'all got to go with me here now. See, there's some juice that is of a higher grade. It's of a higher quality. It ain't like no other juice. It ain't watered down. It ain't tampered with. Because it passed through the process of generations. Because grandmama was a praying grandmama. She was a mama of faith. Because grandmama believed in God and she was a spiritual woman. Because grandmama knew that she had to pray. Lois knew she had to pray for Eunice. And Eunice knew she had to pray for Timothy. Yeah. And God was, Paul was reminding Timothy yeah. that what's in you, boy, you can't mess it up because this, God has been, been brewing this juice for three generations. Yeah. Yeah. And it made it through your grandmama and it made it to your mama Eunice. And now it's in you. Yeah. 
And you got to do something with it. You can't lose what God has spent two generations building. Is there anybody in here with me? Because God's purpose is generational. It runs from one generation to the next. And so what God was doing with Lois, he had Eunice in mind. And what God was doing with Eunice, he had Timothy in mind. And I'm here to tell you that what God was doing with your grandmama, what God was doing with your mama, he had you in mind. And you cannot stop the flow of the anointing. You've got to get the juice out of you. You've got to do what God purposed you to do. You've got to do what God created you to do. Or everything that God has done for two generations will die and not be fulfilled. That's why it's important for us to raise our children right. So that they can understand that everything I went through is not in vain. I did not go through it just so you can lose it. I'm dealing with my son right now. And I'm trying to get him into the mind state of legacy. But you know, at 20, 23 years old, it's kind of kind of difficult to do. But I'm not going to give up. See, because I started this journey at 21. And man, if God could do it for me, he can do it for him. And I've been spending 21 of my, 21, uh, since 21, uh, 23 years of my life investing in him. That's it. Raising him right. That's it. That's it. Sacrificing. Yes. Taking time to make sure that not only am I an example. See, it's not enough just to tell them what to do. I'm living as an example to you so you'll know that when I'm gone, you know how to keep this thing going. Is there anybody here with me? See, we, didn't, we, we don't spend our whole life just to let our children squander and lose what we built. That's from money to even our relationship with God. See, God is a generational God. That's why he had to remind Timothy. Boy, I'm a generational God. You think I just showed up here and just gave you all of this anointing? No, it don't work like that. Do you know the night your mama cried praying for you? Do you know the sacrifice that your grandmama made with you in mind? No. You don't get a chance to just lose it and squander it all. No. You, you, you got to get this. That lives were sacrificed. Yes. Yes. No. So he has to understand, my son has to understand that everything I built and everything I'm building, not me, but God through me. That's it. That's it, preacher. It's not just for you to have a better life. It's for those that are coming after you. See, I understand that there are seeds that I plant today and I'll never eat the fruit from the tree. But I can, I, I want to be able to die knowing that my children understand that the effort, the labor that I put into it was not just so that they can eat. The Bible says a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. No. I'm doing it for you, but not just for you. That's it. That's it. Come on, preacher. So here he tells him, I'm persuaded that it's in you also. 
Somebody touch yourself and say it's in me also. But I want to share this with you. Just because it's in you, that doesn't mean that it's activated. So that's why in verse 6, Paul says, Wherefore I put you in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God, the juice that is in you. Then he says, by the laying on of hands. Come on, y'all, don't leave me out here by myself. Then I tell you, the value is determined by whose hands it's in. He said, it's by the laying on of hands. When we go through Old Testament scriptures, we see, remember God's a generation of God. In every generation, the patriarch had to lay hands to transfer what was in him that came from generations behind him into the generation that was coming next. There's going to have to be some laying on the hands. Are y'all with me? See, in order for it to in order for it to be transferred, there has to be a hand laid on it. So you got to lay your hands on your children. You got to lay your hands on your wife. You got to lay your hands on your husband. And I'm speaking literally and figuratively. That you got to lay your hands on them and pray for them. You got to lay your hands on them and caress them and show them affection and attention and let them know that you love them. But also, you got to mold them by the example that you live. And by the words that you speak. So that everything that God has been doing in you can be transferred to them and on to the generations that are coming. I challenge you, everyone in here today, that you start laying your hands on those that you love. Let them know who they are. Let them know that they are valuable. Let me tell you the deception of the enemy with this. There are going to be times when you're going to disagree and the enemy is going to say, well, no, you don't need to lay your hands on them. Because they're, they're acting up. That's right. Or they're doing something that you don't want them to be doing. Yeah. But, but what if God did that? Come on, preach. What if God said, no, nah, you acting up, I ain't going to bless you. No, you acting up, I don't even, I, I'm not going to wake you up this morning. No, nah, you acting up, I'm, I'm not going to heal you. No, nah, you acting up, I'm not going to provide. God doesn't do that. We do that. But we got to stop. So I challenge you to start laying your hands on. You, you know what? Can I, can I, can I, let me get, uh, Vante, come here for a second. Let me show you something that I learned uh, that God revealed to me. That I can stand here and I can talk to Vante and I can say, hey man, I think you, you know, you're, you're a really good guy. There's value inside of you and God is going to do great things with you. I said all the right things. But there was no connection. If I say, look at me, you're special. There is value in you. And God is going to do something good with your life. Do do you see that? See, it's the connection. And I I know, I know, I know, y'all hear me, and I just feel the Lord going this way. I know in the past, when my mama raised me, she would use everything 
anything or whatever she could get her hand on to whoop me, to straighten me, and even her hands. But I find out in the Bible, when we look at any time God says correct your child, he says use a rod and not your hand. Because when you use your hand to smack a child or to hit a child, it sends mixed signals. Because the same hand that I'm supposed to show affection to, I can reach me. You see what I'm saying? Because that makes signal. That's why God said use the rod of correction. And when I, now, now, now y'all don't get me wrong now. Because now, now, I'm, I'm telling you that there have been times early on before I got this revelation where I had to tighten up my children. And I had to put hands on them. And I had to lay hands on them, not in the, in the spiritual, godly way. Uh, but I had to correct them. But when I got the revelation, I realized that I couldn't use my hands to hurt my children. Because God didn't make my hands to hurt my children. He made them to communicate and to transfer affection and love. Do y'all see what I'm saying? So I'm just saying that once I got the, got the revelation, I started practicing. And I put it into effect. And that was the difference. In me and in my children. By the way, I started to raise them. So understand that, that this is what I challenge you to do. That when you do talk to your children, when you talk to your spouse, when you talk to the people you love, your brothers, your sister, whoever. Listen, and for men, it ain't nothing funny about putting your hand on another man to show him affection. Come on, preach. Come on, preach. And love? Yes. That ain't weak? Yes. No, that, that's strength because it lets him know I'm in here with you. That's right. That's I'm in here with you so close that, I, that I'm right here with yeah. you. Yeah. There is nothing that's disconnecting us. There's nothing between us because we're connected. When you wake up in the morning, husband, I challenge you to lay your hands on your wife. Speak words of affirmation over her. Stir up that juice that's in her. Parents, I challenge you to lay your hands on your children before you release them to the world. Tell them who they are. Tell them how valuable they are. Tell them how proud you are of them. And watch the difference. See, because if you don't stir it up, it's in there. And let me tell you what we'll try to do. We'll try to fuss it. We'll try to stir it up by fussing. You ought to know better. Is something wrong with you, boy? Come on, preacher. And then we say some other words that we shouldn't be saying as well. Come on, preacher. Come on, preacher. Then they gotta go out into a world yeah. and tell them yeah. worse than yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. But how much more equipped is he to go out if I lay hands yeah. and release words of affirmation into him yeah. so that when he gets to school, yeah. when he gets to wherever he's going yeah. in life, yeah. and they begin to say things, it doesn't register. Yeah. Yeah. Because what I've said huh. is at the top and not at the bottom. It started up. I know it's been long, but it's been good, y'all. It's been long, but it's been good. The last thing I'll leave you with is this. The Bible says that what we have in us, in these earthen vessels, God considers it a treasure. So if it's valuable to God, then it ought to be valuable to you. 
Don't let what God has placed inside of you go unfulfilled. Don't let the goals, the dreams, the desires, the ministries, the purpose, I don't care what it is and what it looks like and what it sounds like. If God put it in you, then you got to get it out of you. There's a valuable treasure inside of each of us. And God has taken us from the, from the rejected. And he's placed us in the accepted. He's taken us out of the hands of those who would say that we are not worth anything. And he's taken us into his hands. And he's given us value by placing that treasure deep down on the inside of us. Amen. Amen. Come on, put your hands together and bless the name of the Lord.